Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,396. The hope is not a strategy. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from St. Louis, Missouri, Seth Burgett. Seth, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely, I am, Mark. All right. Seth is the chairman and CEO of Gateway Bronco, a company where they restore and build the finest vintage Ford Broncos available. At Gateway Bronco, he and his team built the way Henry Ford envisioned it on an assembly line. This enables them to offer up to a five-year warranty and deliveries as short as two months. They supply the donor Bronco or they'll build one using your truck. 100% of the build is done in their 60,000 square foot Bronco factory. Seth is a seasoned entrepreneur, global executive, and board member. He is an inventor with over 40 patent pendings or granted. He has created medical device, robots, consumer products, and technology companies. He's been involved in numerous successful startups and sales of companies. He is a frequent speaker at the Olin School of Business as an executive mentor. Seth is progressing towards becoming a licensed vintage racer as well with venues in his target, including Goodwood and the Monterey Historic Races. So, Seth, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career, your business, and a very obvious passion for old automobiles? You bet, Mark. So, you know, the uh, the history here is an engineer that uh, was an inventor and uh, always had this passion for automobiles and continued down a path of building robots and kind of bigger and better and better uh, uh, medical device robots. The, the kind of pinnacle was inventing a robot to navigate guide wires through the heart that led to the world's first transcontinental heart surgery. And so we uh, had a joystick in Boston where the physician was in Boston live on the Jumbotron and the patient was in Milan, Italy. And so that was, oh my gosh. Uh, you wow. know, kinda, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moments where, you know, as an inventor and engineer, that and, and thinking of myself as an inventor and engineer since I was a small child, that was kind of the pinnacle. And it was from oh there, gosh, yeah. what's next? And so through that process, 
the car world comes in uh, more and more because we had to integrate that system with Siemens Medical in Germany. And so every, uh, every couple of months, we'd fly into Nuremberg. One time I was leaving, heading back home, and I saw that there was a Porsche in the, uh, the Hearst Rental. I said, can you rent that Porsche? And they said, well, yes, Mr. Brigette. And I said, uh, well, what kind of lead time do you need? They said, well, when are you going to be back, Mr. Brigette? And so I told them. And uh, and so I rented a Porsche Carrera 4S, ceramic brakes, all before it was available in the U.S. We spent more in fuel than we did in the rental. So it was... Uh, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> for for oh many years, gosh. yeah, even inventing robots... The car thing was always there, and I was steeped in the middle of building a career. We had sold uh, sold one company in robotics, not in medical device robotics, and we had an IPO for the uh, for the medical device robotics, and then later a headphones company in uh, sport headphones. And so all of those pieces, you know, led to the ability to do what we do with Gateway Bronco today. Yeah, it's a very cool story. I mean, it's fantastic and. I love it in many respects. One is you had a career in different areas, but your passion for cars always was tugging at your heartstrings. I've rented a Porsche over there in Germany and driven it as well. Yeah, it's a little, uh, uh, and you walk out of there, it hurts, and you go, wait, I think I want that one. Uh, it's, it's a crazy price, but you can't bear to not rent it because they've got unlimited speed limits over there on the Autobahn. So, uh, and I think back in the old days, actually, when I first rented one, you could take it to the uh, Nürburgring. Now they've got strict rules that you cannot do that anymore. But uh, maybe it was, maybe I was the reason they did that. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't crash it. I, I kind of toasted the brakes, but I didn't crash it, I promise. So very fun. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on cars yeah so seth i know you love to drive so take the wheel yeah you know mark i think that if i were going to look at a uh, a successful quote or mantra the first part of that would be hope is not a strategy um <laughs> you know it just yeah, uh, you yeah. cannot hope that at 180 miles per hour down the audubon that something bad won't happen you have to plan for it so you know hope is not a strategy but when you combine that with a mantra that i've used consistently and that is Focus is power. Put those two things together, it creates a potent combination. And in that last company, the headphones company that we sold to JBL, it took us from zero market share to 40% North American market share as a startup. And, And we didn't focus on what other people were doing. We just really put our heads down and focused on what was important for our customer, our business, and and creating a great product. And that's the same piece that we use with Gateway Bronco focuses power and and certainly hope is not a strategy no matter what you're doing. And so that would be, yeah, maybe two. How about that? I like it, you know, and I love the first one because there's something my dad taught me long, long ago. And he said, son, there is no hope in business. And it's the same concept as what you just shared. Yeah. To sit around and say, well, I hope this works. Uh, it doesn't really work very well, for sure. It usually, so. it usually doesn't work out well in the end. So No, no, that's for sure. And especially when you're on a track, uh, you definitely have interviewed enough race car drivers that hope has nothing to do with preparing <laughs> to go to a race. That's for sure. Sure hope we win. Uh, no, that won't work. You're not on the team anymore. Yeah. Well, I want to go back in time a little bit. You've been a car guy for a long time, I can tell. And I want you to share a story that instigated this passion that you have for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy for life? Well, I 
I think it was pretty obvious to everyone around me that there was something inside that was driven by this adrenaline junkie. You know, my first memory actually waking up in a in an old Ford grain truck, very first memory. So first memory is actually in a car. Beyond that, though, you know, every mini bike, every go-kart, every anything that was powered, we we were building it, tweaking it, doing whatever we could to make it go faster. And it was way before, you know, most parents would allow. I had you know, my parents wouldn't allow me to have a mini bike. So my uncle gave me a frame and I got a uh, an engine off of somebody. And, you know, we, we started building it. And the first thing I did was pull the governor out and uh, ran, ran that <laughs> thing to, <laughs> beyond red line and threw a hole right through the side of the, the crankcase. But, you know, those are things that um, were pretty obvious right up front that, that I was destined for something along these lines. When I was about eight. I was at a car show. Well, my mother was going into the mall as back when the mall was a big deal and in the seventies and, and, you know, all kinds of car shows everywhere. And I was having this conversation, like an adult conversation with a, with a guy with a split window, um, 427 Chevy and uh, Corvette. And the guy just looks up at my mother. I just never forget this. And, and he's like, where did this kid learn this stuff? And my dad, <laughs> my, <laughs> by, by the way, my dad was a librarian. So he, he, this is not coming ah, from him. Yeah. And so, okay. um, She's like, I don't know. All he does is read Hot Rod magazine and all these magazines, Carcraft magazine. And so, you know, I think at that point it was kind of known that when that guy that I respected, a cool car, and he said great things about me, that maybe I knew more about cars than other kids my age. I didn't know that until then. But, you know, I think uh, that was one of those moments. But it was pretty early uh, in life that I knew I'd be an engineer. I knew I'd be doing something with cars. The adrenaline side was, you know, just... It's been there since day one. Day one. Well, I always thought the stork dropped the baby in the cabbage patch, but your stork dropped you in a Ford grain truck. So uh, <laughs> if that was your your earliest memory. So uh, I think that that set the tone somehow, I think. So I like that. Well, I want to talk a little bit about a big challenge or a big failure you faced. No doubt because of your entrepreneurship, I mean, starting companies and trying to build them into something is fraught with challenges, ups and downs. One day you're the king, the next day you wonder if this thing is going to continue to fly. So kind of walk us through one of these big challenges you faced and tell us how you came out of it on the other end. And more importantly, what was that learning lesson and what values did that give you to move forward? Yeah, you know, Mark, I'll give you one of these things that my fa- my parents were both t- school teachers and my father uh, just recently again said, Seth, why in the world would you want to start a company? Why, you know, you've got all these degrees from MIT and Stanford and all these things. Why don't you just get a normal nine to five job like everybody else? Job, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he still doesn't understand. I'm not wired that way. The last company, uh, the, probably the biggest challenge I've had in business period was a company that we had grown from 100,000 sales to a million and then from a million to 10 million, 10 to 25 million. And we were somewhere between the 25 and 50 million range. And uh, I was at a kid's ball game and, and my CFO calls and he says, I'm heading to Europe this afternoon. I uh, got a big show over there. We need $3 million in 30 days or we're out of business. And oh, it was, uh, it what? was a shocker. <laughs> yeah. It was Are a you shocker. you telling me this now? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I've got no way to help. I'm going directly from, you know, he was also managing our operation in Asia. And so he said, I'm going to China, uh, going to Europe and then directly from there to China. He said, so I really can't help because I'm going to be on the road most of that, that four weeks. And so that was probably my biggest 
kind of a sucker punch, tough challenge that we had to work our way through. We did it. We raised about $3.4 million in 30 days, and uh, the company went on to be a, a pretty substantial success. Probably the biggest thing that hit me that it just couldn't believe it, right? I mean, I'm just pacing at a kid's ball game and going, what in the world are we going to do? So that's probably it. Well, let me ask you this. You don't have to get into the details of that, but if somebody was sucker punch, and that's a great way to put it, they have a business, they think things are kind of rolling along and then something happens. And boy, it happens to a lot of people. I've had 1,395 people on this show before you uh, that all face some kind of big calamity. How or what kind of advice would you give somebody when they get news like that, they've got a really short period of time to correct the ship, if you will. What are some of the first steps you would advise people to take versus running into the field and trying to get hit in the head with a fly ball so they, their misery was being put out of their misery? But uh, what are a couple like tips you might offer somebody of how you tackle, begin to tackle such an insurmountable odd? Yeah, I, th- I think really it goes down to you know, raising children as well. False evidence that appears fear. I- I've used this, you know, raising three children, whether they believe it or not, I have no idea. But it's it's really false evidence that appears real. And, and you can't fear things that aren't real. You can't fear things that you don't know are in existence. Take what you know and and compartmentalize that, triage it just like you would in the military and build what you can out of what you know. And then the next day, the next week, the next, you know, following weeks after that, you'll know more and more and you can make more and more decisions. But just really triaging the situation. And anyone who's been in business is sucker punched. I mean, there's there's no one who's ever been in business who hasn't felt some kind of, wow, didn't see that coming. And then it's how, how somebody responds to it is what matters. And, um, you know, finding a way to learn learn what you know move on the next day, learn a little more, take some more corrective action. Yeah, build a plan and work the plan, as they say. So, yep. absolutely. Well, let's talk about your first really special card. Now, I know from uh, talking with you, and I'll let our listeners know, I had the, the pleasure of meeting Seth uh, during Car Week uh, down there at Pebble Beach, Monterey. We met at the Monterey Jet Center party that uh, McCall puts on. It was an awesome party this year. It always is. I mean, it's fantastic. And Seth had some of his uh, Broncos on display, and I just kind of went goo-goo all over them. And it was just so much fun to see those actual builds, because a lot of my guests I don't get to meet, and sometimes till after they've been on the show. But I would love for you to talk about a first special car, because the reason I mention this is obviously the Broncos that he builds, but he also has a very cool 67 Shelby GT500. Is that right, or is it a 350? Um, I've had both. You know, I would say that I waited uh, a long time to acquire. I, I purchased two in one day, one on the East Coast oh, wow. and one on the West. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a pretty unique day. Christmas, double Christmas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one was a GT500, which uh, is the car you were talking about. And um, I used to describe this. It was a survivor car. Uh, found out that it, was, it was a legit car and had someone from Shelby American Automobile Club with me to vet the car. We bought it. And then we're heading back to the airport in Seattle, I get Facebook posting that pops up on my phone. And somebody said, you know, should I sell it or should I restore it? And it was a Shelby GT350 with the you know, strap still on it. They just pulled it out of the barn and barn find on the East Coast. And so got all the pictures. And uh, luckily, I had the chief Shelby judge with me. We vetted it and uh, bought bought two in a day. Oh uh, so, yeah. Wow. That was, <laughs> what a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that one came out of uh, the Pacific Northwest because I live up, live up here south of Seattle. I'm in Gig Harbor. 
Um, so that's pretty cool that the car came out of the Northwest. It was, uh, I wonder if it's a car I, I saw. When did you purchase that? Uh, that would have been 2016. Six, okay. Well, you know, maybe because they have some great events up here. Uh, the Shelby Roundup and uh, Mustang Roundup that they have up here every year. So I'm wondering if that car uh, was at one of those events. Would you say that was really, or one of those was your first really special vehicle? Or is there another car in your history that uh, was kind of a first that you finally got and fulfilled a dream? I mean, that was a first. It was a special car that I would uh, describe it like this. I made a donation to BF Goodrich every day I drove it. And I, <laughs> I, mean, I saw the video on your website. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was Burning no some rubber. Back, no holding back with that car. It was a great car. You, you know, that was 31 years later. I was 15 years old when I had the opportunity to buy a 67 Shelby in 1985 for $6,000. And it was lime gold, parchment interior, 42,000 miles. And, and the, the crazy thing is, you know, you asked me about being a kid and, and kind of how, how young were you when you got involved? Well, I was age 14 and I started uh, doing auto body. I did auto body for 14 to 24, worked my way through college that way. But before that, had a small engine repair at age 12. And, and by the time I was 15, had $6,000 in the bank, which is, you know, cool. almost 15 <laughs> yeah. grand a day. So it's, it's a lot of money. Oh, sure. And, oh, yeah. and, and I had the money. I didn't buy the car. So to get to your answer, oh. your final answer, I bought a $1,500 Mustang, which I still have today. Oh, well, that's cool. That's yeah. Nice that you still have it. Well, that's a nice segue into my seller's remorse story. <laughs> I asked all my guests if they have let a car go that they wish they had back. And I'll, I'll take money out of the equation because that muddies up things. I, I want to tug on some heartstrings here a little bit. I don't want you to cry, but I want you to think about a car that you maybe let go that you really wish you still had. Well, you know, I think, um, you know, my family was always a Ford family and, and, uh, the, the 71 Torino station wagon that my father sold to buy the 79 F250, uh, super cab pickup, which is our family vehicle. That was, that was literally it. And we, uh, we drove cross country in the thing and did all that. So if I knew I was going to start a business like this, I probably wouldn't have let him uh, give that thing away to charity. I probably would have kept that and built it into something cool. But yeah, that'd be it. I mean, other than buying that, that 67 Shelby, that would have been something I really wish I had done, but didn't. Waited 31 years later and bought a couple. And I bought it even more recently, a better one. Well, there you go. It finally came back around. So it that's did. a good thing. Yep. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up right now. Gateway Bronco. This is a very cool company. Uh, I, I told Seth when I met him at the jet party, I said, you know what? These things remind me of the Bronco version of Rob Dickinson's Singer Porsches. These are so cool. I mean, you don't just restore these things. You take it to another level. So tell my listeners about Gateway Bronco. Well, you know, thank you for the kind words. I, I really, really appreciate that. And, and, you know, when I sold, sold this last company, I thought about, honestly, uh, buying a Singer Porsche. I couldn't fathom the weight. So I ended up calling a fo- couple of folks after collecting Broncos and, and having, I wanted to have a Bronco built. I didn't have a great response. Uh, one of them said that it'd be a three-year wait. Others didn't feel great about kind of, you know, what the interaction was like. And so I said, you know what, I'll buy a 60,000 square foot building and this will be the next oh, business. And so that's, <laughs> you're that's, like, a, you're like Ferdinand Porsche. I didn't like a sports car that I could find. So I built one myself. That's this is an awesome story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's, it. uh, I had 15 all original paint Broncos at the time, plus two Shelby's, uh-huh. which we talked about and some other cars. And I didn't have a place to keep them all in one place. And so 
I thought, well, one, I need a place to put all these things. Two, I need a place to work on these things, be it myself or, or having some folks that could help me. And three, I really enjoy the process of uh, bringing something old and gnarly and making it just beautiful, reimagined, and and um, huge passion around that. From a very young age, doing auto body, that's the thing I enjoyed the most, is taking something gnarly and old and rusty and, and making it look beautiful again. And so that's kind of been our journey. Um, couldn't find somebody to build it for us. So in that same three years that one of the builders told me it would take to build my wife a Bronco, I've you know, we built and delivered 35 and at 70, 74, 75 on order. So that's what we've done with the business. And some of the things that are really exciting to me, you know, the Blaney Project, building a Bronco for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Ryan Blaney is actively involved. He and I actively designed this thing together. And, um, you know, having that be sold at auction to support the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, he's personally affected by it. I'm personally affected by it. And so, you know, it's a, it's a really, really unique project. And, and you got to see it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's fantastic. You know, I'm just imagining your dad shaking his head going, son, you built up these businesses. You sold the business for a good fair amount of money. You could sit back and do anything. And what do you do? You start another business. Like you said, you're just not wired that way. You know, I have a feeling your idea of retirement is is this and not going and sitting on a beach, right? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, quite clearly, my, my idea of retirement is is historic, you know, racing uh, an old Shelby. And, uh, you know, I'm also a competitive water skier and, and triathlete. And so, you know, these are things that we enjoy doing. And, and I, I have a lot of fun marketing the product, uh, meeting the clients who each have really unique and, and, and kind of uh, interesting lives of their own. And so we have a lot of fun with it. And, and the, in the end, one of my clients said it best. He said, you build a grin maker and mm. <laughs> it's a fun vehicle. <laughs> it's a really fun vehicle in the end. And so uh, it drives unique. It turns unique. It stops uniquely like a Bronco but with about 80% of the bad behavior gone and, and just keeping the 20% of the good behavior as a reimagined Ford Bronco. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So I can bring you either a vehicle I have or you can source one. And then from there, is the sky the limit or kind of a set certain number of things you can pick and choose, kind of like an accessories list? On You, you talk about improving it. Obviously, those old vehicles uh, were a little rough. They weren't designed to be uh, super fast or anything real smooth, but you make them very, very comfortable. So what's the process if I want you to build me a Bronco? Well, the process is really easy. We hold a call for about 10 minutes. We understand what you'd like to have in your desired outcome, and we build it for you. And and it's really just that easy. Uh, the sky is the limit. Uh, we're building electric Bronco. We'll do twin turbos. We've got uh, multiple supercharged vehicles in the shop right now. So it is built on an assembly line, but it's built just like the Porsche, where the Porsche, you could get green thread and red stitching, and you could get you know anything you want in a late model uh, Porsche. It is very similar to what we do. You can get anything you'd like. It's still built on an assembly line, which means it has the quality controls in place. It allows us to offer you a three- to five-year warranty wherever you live. Wow. It's fantastic. I'll encourage my listeners, just go to gatewaybronco.com. You can check these things out. Uh, spend a little time there. I think you're going to spend a little time there. It's a fun fun way to uh, go through and look at what these guys are building. Uh, he's got a very creative team, talented team working with him. I think it's fantastic what you've created here, Seth. 
bravo for what you're doing. <laughs> so you. much fun. And, and they do. They put a grin on your face. When you see them, you just can't help but smile because those of us at a certain age range will remember those Broncos back in the day. And if you ever had any fun out in the dirt driving around or on a farm or wherever, that's where those things love to go. So very cool. Well, Seth, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom for that you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor chris kimball cfp is just the man for the job he'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy for over 25 years chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments with a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Seth, we're back, and I have a bit of an introspective question. I'm going to get into your skull a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle parked in the garage, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would Seth be and why? Mm, That's a great question, Mark. I think firmly believe that people should drive a car that makes them feel like it's a representation of who they are. I I really believe that. And, you know, if I were going to think of the car that would be manifested in myself. Uh, well, I'm an Ironman triathlete. So endurance athletics is a big, a big part of who I am. When you think of that, you think of Porsche, you think of anything in racing that is uh, Sebring or Le Mans or something like that. So in the end, I think I drive what I would perceive to be, um, you know, who I am. I drive a V8 Ford Raptor, daily drive a Carrera S Porsche, and I race a 67 Shelby uh, race car. So it's kind of a, I'm a blend of all three. And a blend of all three. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Good answer. Nicely done. Well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of those three car throttle. Three very fun cars for sure. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. 
What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Best automotive advice? Buy original paint. (laughs) Yeah, original cars. You know, I've got a good friend, Bill. In fact, he joined me down there uh, during car week. He and I used to race vintage cars together, and uh, he's a big advocate of collecting authentic original cars. That's what he's done his most of his life. He has restored a few and learned his lessons about the costs of that. Uh, find the best original car you can. I, you'll be happy to know. I've, I practice that. I've got one of those in my garage, a 1987 Porsche 930 Turbo, all in original paint. It's a paint-to-sample car, too, which is kind of cool in a very unique non-Porsche color. It's mm. metallic orange. So uh, I'll have to send you a picture of that. Uh, I'd love to see that. Affect- affectionately call her my orange crush. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, followers on social media know her very well. Would you share one of your personal habits? And I I can tell you've got some very good personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes over the years. I would say, uh, you know, a simple one would be early to rise. Get up before the rest of the world that you work within and um, be the first one on the scene. You know, another great thing my dad taught me, uh, get to work before the boss and don't leave until after the boss leaves. Treat anywhere you work like it's your own business. You, would you behave that way if you owned this business? But uh, he grew up on a farm in Texas, so he was used to getting up early. And uh, I had a paper out for five years, so I think that taught me about getting up early. But it got me in. I grew up in Southern California. It got me into the surf early, so I could go surfing before I went to school every day, which was kind of fun. So I love those early mornings. Still do that this day. How about a resource? Is there one that you'd like to share with our listeners that you found really appealing? Well, you know, maybe I'll give you a broader, you know, kind of resource. What I found is, um, you know, I'll affectionately call these folks the graybeards. Finding folks that could be a mentor in this space. I'm seasoned in business, but not in automotive. And so when I came into this automotive, you know, with both feet, buying a 60,000 square foot building and starting a business, um, I really just started working with um, with folks that, that were willing to give me advice and counsel from the Shelby perspective and being humble and just listening to those folks that had lived through these things and were willing to give me some counsel. Um, and I call them the gray beards and hopefully most uh, take that affectionately that they, uh, it's a very positive thing that they've been able to give me advice and um, I was willing to listen and then apply it. Great advice. Yeah. Find somebody who's been there, done that, that's willing to share. And, you know, a lot of the gray beards, as you call them, are very willing to share things with you. Uh, you just need to ask and then shut up and listen. And they'll share a whole lot of stuff with you. So very good sure. advice. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Ah, uh, Mark, that's uh, such a tough one. You know, um, yeah. you know, we've got the first Bronco, the very first Bronco that was owned by Carroll Shelby for 10 years. And, um, oh, wow. a, you know, as a Shelby fan and, Personally, now knowing Aaron will be, and I just I'd love to have a you know conversation with with Carol. That would be a fantastic thing. But I think if if I could do one, it would probably be Lee Iacocca. You know, if you look at what he had done uh, throughout his career, creating and and bringing the Mustang to fruition. He's also behind the Bronco, uh, maybe begrudgingly in some some instances, but brought forward the Bronco. You know, then after Ford. Looking at well, and, and and he had failures as well because you know look at this guy he he was the man behind the Pinto, and yeah. uh, you know <laughs> yeah. really it's, uh, he had some great successes but also some 
some some major failures and then went on to Chrysler to do some other great things. And so I don't know if he gets all the credit that he that he deserved over time, um, but I would love to sit down with a Moscow mule and, uh, you know, some conversation with uh, with Lee Iacocca. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that would be fantastic. How about a book? I would imagine you've read lots of great books. Is there one in particular you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I'm going to give you the last one. Um, you know, as a part of our business, uh, we do men's group here on Friday mornings. We we have at least through this last book that we did, and we're looking for our next book. Um, and this one was Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers. Uh, it's a book written by Ken Canfield. And, and really, when you think of what we're doing, we're working hard every day, every week to do what we do. It, it's really centered around somebody that's special in our lives. And, you know, what you know, what wouldn't be more special to, to guys building cars than their, than their kids. And so we read that and we went through that as a, as a team. And I think it's a great book that uh, I recommend for any father or, you know, to be father. Yeah, absolutely. I've not read that book. I'll, uh, I'll have to, to read it. Uh, sounds great. And uh, certainly, well, I have two children. They're grown now, but I remember back when they were born and kind of thinking, oh man, what do I do now? <laughs> This is like a real deal. This is serious stuff. Uh, Fortunately, fortunately, I had a great partner in my life. I know we were talking before uh, we started the show. Uh, Seth's been married for 25 years. I've been married for 35 years. And uh, I think we both figured out marrying a great partner, uh, somebody who kept us on our toes was a way to do it. But uh, no doubt my wife played a big part of that. In fact, she gave up her career to stay home and and raise the kids while I was off working. So, uh, Kudos to her, her for doing that because she had a very, uh, very cool career as an engineer. Loved what she did a lot, but uh, she said, "You know, that's the best gift you ever gave me was the ability to do that." So it's fantastic. Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers. I'll make sure I put a link to that book on Seth's show notes page. You can find that on the Cars Yeah website. Just go type in Seth B U R G E T T is how you spell his last name, or just Seth. I've had very few Seths on the show, so it'll be easy to find, and we'll put a click to link that book so you can get your hands on it and read it. Yeah, maybe you know somebody who's going to be a father, or maybe you're lucky enough to be a father soon. Uh, sounds like a great read. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Seth, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. doesn't matter who owns it or where it is. I'm going to park it in that garage of yours, but there are some rules that may make this a bit of a challenge. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or to fund your business. So if you pick a Ferrari GTO at about 60, 70 million, you're going to have to keep it and drive it. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, you do have to drive this car. No garage queens allowed around here. And here's the kicker. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. You can only have one. So choose wisely, my friend. Well, this isn't really fair because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say it was going to be fair. <laughs> I just sold three collector cars to buy the one that you're asking about, and it's a uh, historic car, 67 Shelby race since new. It was in Sebring in 71 and 72, and campaigned by a famous R&D engineer at, uh, or R&D manager at Ford, uh, who developed the Mangusta for Lee Iacocca and, and many oh, other okay. things. And so I just bought the car. And uh, nice. get that on the track to Hallett and Pitt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I, I would say that's it for me. And, you know, one of the guys asked when uh, how, how I was uh, how I was sitting in the car and if it was uh, if I was in it right for the money and when I would think about selling it. And I said, you know, what? this is not a to be sold car. This is a go race this car, a enjoy the car. car. And, yeah. 
So you're going to race it. Now, it's a 67 Shelby, so it's a Mustang, right? It is. Well, very, very cool. And, you know, cars with stories are really the best cars to buy. Uh, they could be good stories. They could be bad stories. They could be crazy stories. But that's that's the thing. If you talk to people like uh, well, uh, that collector guy, Jay Leno, some of you may have heard of him. Someday I'm going to get him on this show. Man, he's a hard guy to nail down. I talked to him again <laughs> on the lawn at Pebble, gave him my card for about the fifth time. Please come on my show. Uh, maybe one day I'll get him on here. But, you know, he, when you listen to Jay Leno talk, he buys cars, only cars that have stories. So uh, I think you're following in some good footsteps there. Very nicely done. Thank Very you. happy you have your car of your dreams, too, because now I don't have to buy you one. So you've saved me a few dollars today. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I actually had some many folks on the show that have the car of their dreams. So I'm very happy that that's happened because many, many people don't, or maybe they put a dream so high that it's a car they can't afford. I have to tell you, talking about singers, every once in a while I'll spend a buck or, as my son says, waste a buck on a lottery ticket. And you know what I write on the back of that ticket every time? Singer. <laughs> I thought, yeah. Already pre-planned the winnings that I never seem to get, but uh, oh, those things are expensive, aren't they? Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, Seth, listen, you've taken me on a great ride today. Really enjoyed talking to you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the track in that 67 Shelby must? Oh, you bet. I would say, you know, um, I've been so lucky and so fortunate throughout my entire career of doing what I'm passionate about, what I love. and just uh, wake up every day, just can't wait to get out to do. And um, if there was any piece of advice, if you're not living your dream, not living that passion, then find a new passion or find a find a new way to, to live that passion. With that passion, success comes. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I've had 1,396 guests now here on Cars Yeah that have done exactly that. So if you haven't listened to all the shows, you can go back and learn a lot of valuable lessons from past guests, just like you have from Seth here today. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Gateway Bronco? Well, Mark, I think you can always go to gatewaybronco.com, also Instagram and Facebook. Those are great avenues to kind of see what we're doing, where we're going next, what event we'll be at, and how we can meet face-to-face. There you go. Gatewaybronco.com, great website, Instagram, Facebook, all the social media sources you can follow along and set your goals for getting your brand new Bronco built for you. Very, very cool. Seth, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences. Thank thank you for sharing some time with me at the Jet Center party. That was a great party. Lots of fun. Lots of cool things to look at. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate the time. This was great fun. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!